It's 1208. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Glad to have you with us. Eric, before you leave, I, this this is kind of a uh, of a man bites dog story. You, you did it during the news. The 30, uh, you have a, a 76-year-old guy, 76-year-old guy whose house was broken into mm-hmm. Wednesday night gets into a physical altercation with the burglar, who's described as a 33-year-old man, and it's the burglar that dies. The burglar dies, not the 76-year-old guy. Yes, yes. During the altercation, he became unconscious. That's how the sheriff's office is is describing it right now. And we we don't, they're not saying it's a shooting or anything. We released so far. Huh. So, I mean, that's, Normally, you hear that story. You have the guy that breaks into the people's house. It's the home invasion, and it's the the victim, in this case, the homeowner, who gets hurt. No, no, this is a 76-year-old guy who gets into a struggle with a 33-year-old man. We don't know what happened. Maybe he hit him with a baseball bat or right. something like that. We'll find yeah, out. We'll, we'll, we'll find out. Well, but, okay, well, that I you don't want to see anybody die in these things, but I guess if there's going to be somebody who ends up on the wrong end of a struggle, to me... It would be the person who's breaking into the home as opposed to the home who's being broken into. By the way, if I may, Jeff, we do have some breaking news that the Milwaukee Business Journal is reporting this hour. The Business Journal says Pfizer is closing in on landing the naming rights deal for the new Milwaukee Bucks arena. They don't say they have. No, closing in on. Pfizer closing in on landing that deal. Okay, Not done deal yet. See, you're you're baiting me because you, you know... There are partners at our business journal, but they have been wrong on they have been wrong on a couple things, for example, well, like certain like who's going to purchase certain people they've, they've been wrong <laughs> on things before but but you're saying that they're they're narrowing in down on this. yeah, it sounds like it interestingly okay. enough, I did reach out to Pfizer a few weeks ago to ask about this, and at that time they said, no, not working on anything, but here, according to the business journal, Pfizer is close Pfizer. Okay, well, we'll keep you posted. All right, we have a lot of ground to cover on today's program. There's a number of different things I want to talk to you about. Um, and we, I will tell you, we're going to run the waterfront on, on topics, ranging from national topics to state topics to political topics to more fun topics, just a, a lot of stuff going on. I, yesterday, I did not have a program. It was a day of Jeff. We had the uh, third game in the Brewers series against St. Louis, 10-game series, homestand. The Brewers win 8 out of 10. I went to three of the games. I was there for the two losses. Now I, I'm I'm start. I was there also there for one of the wins. My wife and I went to the first game, and then my best friend Evan and I we went to the two games that they lost. Now you could say I am a jinx. I tend to want to blame my my friend Evan as being the jinx. But uh, on the other hand, in our defense, and I almost hate to say this too, but the pitcher in the two games they lost was Zach Davies. I like Zach Davies. But uh, he didn't get any run. He was sh- one was game was a shutout. One game the Brewers only scored a run, but he was not. He's still struggling a little bit. So we happened. Those two losses happened to be Zach Davies wins. I I reject the idea though that I'm a jinx. I'm going to continue to go to the games. But I had an interesting experience yesterday. Like I said, it, it was a day of Jeff. So I'm I am at home. Normally I will I'll listen to the games or watch them on TV. In the particular case of yesterday, though. You could not watch the game on television because it was not being televised. At least, you know, Fox Sports Wisconsin did not have it. What Major League Baseball has done this year in an effort to make some extra money is they've signed a deal with Facebook. And so I think it's once a week the Facebook 
has the exclusive rights to present a game, to live stream a game. So if you wanted to watch the game, you had to go to your computer, or if you got a TV that you can do this through, um, access Facebook's live, log in, and then you could watch the, the game. And I, I did yesterday. I, I did. Now, the one thing I will say, the difference between Facebook Live and the radio is, first of all, you, you don't have to log in to listen to the game on WTMJ, and we're not going to sell your information. But nevertheless, you know, Facebook, you, you could do it. So I, I did that yesterday, and I was I happened to be in a room in my house where I don't have an AM radio, and so I, I, I had it. I had it on, and I was kind of watching the game on the computer on Facebook Live. And interestingly, as part of that, if you do it, a third of the screen, you can disable this feature, but a third of the screen is taken up by comments, people commenting all the time, and a lot of Cardinal fans that hated the Brewers and a lot of people that hated the whole Facebook Live experience. And so I was kind of watching that. All right, I I just, I don't know if anybody else watched the game in that fashion. But I, I am curious. Our number is 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, obviously, we hope most people listen to it on the radio. But yesterday was the first time I actually watched the game on Facebook Live. I will tell you, most of the commentators were not happy with Major League Baseball. And they said, hey, you know, this is it's a ridiculous effort to try to make some extra money. Why don't you just go back, you know, allow the games to be televised locally. There's other ways you could see it. Forcing people onto Facebook Live, the general perception was extremely fan unfriendly. Um, did you did you happen to check out Facebook Live to watch the game yesterday? Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That's the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And if so, what was your reaction to this? Um, some people think this is the wave of the future. I'm not so sure, but I'm curious if anybody else experienced the game yesterday like I did. 414-799-1620, we will discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 1214, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 1217, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. If you wanted to watch the baseball game, not listen to the baseball game, but watch the Brewers game yesterday, what you had to do, you couldn't just turn on the TV. It wasn't televised. You had to have a Facebook account. Go onto your computer, log into Facebook, go to ML Facebook's, you know, MLB Live or whatever it is, and, and then, you know, enter. And then you could watch the game. They had a number of broadcasters that did it. You could watch comments if you wanted. They don't have commercials between innings. Um, so there was a comment, Terry. I did that yesterday, and it's the first time I took in the game like that. Uh, did anybody else? 414-799-1620. Let's talk to, uh, let's start with Mike in Oak Creek. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Yeah, hi. Um, I did watch the game. It's actually the second time I watched it. They uh, offered it on Facebook earlier. Mm -hmm. And uh, first of all, the screen, I'm used to watching it on a 55 to 60 inch screen. (laughs) Right. And it's like, not only is it on a smaller screen, but you only have uh, two thirds of that screen. And that was, that was different. Because the comments are in the other third. Yeah. Yeah. And the comments, they were, because it was a national feed, the comments were scrolling so fast that it was almost, I found it almost impossible to read them. Right. Now, I think there, there is a way, at least depending on your setup, that you can disable that and go to the full screen type of thing. But you, but you didn't, you didn't enjoy it. You would have preferred to watch it the old-fashioned way. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, they turned off the announcers, and I had Euchre and the radio in the background. Yeah, the, the, the thanks for the, the the announcers were bad. <laughs> I, I think 
they they were just bad. I, I don't know where the Dan Polisic was one of the guys, former Brewer reliever, but the he but but the announcers were were pretty pretty awful. And I, I say that from the perspective not just as a Brewers fan, but I, I think Cardinals fans would agree. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Heidi in Sussex. Heidi, you're in WTMJ. Hello. Oh, hello. Did you watch uh, it yesterday? Sure. I, I certainly did, and I kind of agree with Mike and, uh, the, you know, the guy that was just on. Uh, when you're used to watching it on a big screen, it, it, you know, it takes away from, you know, the fun of watching the game. And I, I don't like watching it on Facebook, but if that's the only option you have, I'll do it because that's how much I enjoy watching right. our brewers. And, yeah, but I guess the question is, would you prefer to – you know, I mean, Major League Baseball is is trying to make money by doing this, you know, and so that's why they have the exclusive thing. Um, would sure. you prefer to watch it on a big screen TV or on your computer? Oh, big screen by far. Yeah. 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 I, and the comments, too, once I figured out how I could get rid of those, um, was better, but some of them were rather comical. <laughs> oh, the, the oh, Cardinal oh, fans, you know. Oh, yeah, but, especially once it's... Yeah, no, thanks. Well, I mean, that that's 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 sort of the issue. Sue in Waterford. Sue, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi, Jeff. Um, I, I watched just the last two innings. By the time I figured out that it was on Facebook, I, I put it on my iPad, and I was watching it, got rid of the comments. But then my husband said, well, I can put it on our TV if you want. So mm-hmm. I had him do that, and it was a little better, but I still, the announcers kind of ruined it for me. Yeah, they they weren't good. Now, did you a number? I did not have this problem too much. A number of the comments people were saying that the you know th- there's always a buffering. The screen froze up a lot. Um, it did. And and of course you don't have that as a general rule when you're watching it on either the when you're watching it like on Fox Sports. Uh, a lot of people were annoyed by by that, and I, I think that's one of the big problems. I think they still got some bugs they have to work out. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, thanks to call. I, it, you know, it's. It was. I mean, again, I if if the choice is if you're a big Brewers fan, in addition to listening to it on the radio, you want the visuals. Um, I, I guess if the choice is nothing or Facebook Live, I, I you obviously go Facebook Live. But candidly, I don't think it's particularly fan friendly. Now, if you wanted to cut a deal, if Major League Baseball wanted to be fan friendly, well, you wouldn't give Facebook Live necessarily an exclusive thing. If you wanted to give that as an option to fans. Well, that might be different, but yesterday it wasn't an option. Uh, Josh in Whiting. Josh, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hey, how you doing? I really? watched the um, game yesterday as well as it's actually the second time the Brewers have been on Facebook. Right. I um, saw far less comments about not being able to get the uh, comments off. I know that's a big stickler with most people. I live out of, uh, what do they call it, the region or what have right. you. I, I can't watch on uh, Fox Sports 1, you know, through a cable package or anything. Or Fox Sports, sorry. Right. Um, and I actually find the Facebook stream to be better than the MLB.tv package. Okay. Um, it, it actually streams better, which, uh, I mean, if people talk about glitches, you should uh, yeah. see how the MLB.tv works. Okay. Uh, as far as uh, watching it on your TV or big screen, I would uh, at home. I choose the computer, the TV, all that nonsense. Yeah, you could. Yeah, you. There's a way you can do it. I mean, a lot of people aren't going to, yeah. but yes, a lot you can do it. Sure. Yeah, but as far I mean, it is a day game, so you're talking far smaller 
quantity of people are going to be able to uh, be on their couch watching it on the big screen, you're more likely going to be able to pop it up on your phone or tablet, set it on your desk or somewhere around you at work. And uh, on the national uh, media coverage for the game, the, uh, uh, you know, the crew for the coverage, I just, I'm, anytime the Brewers end up on national coverage, typically the crew that does the game is poorly informed on <laughs> the Brewers' season and how they do, and I standard mode is mute TV and uh, put up Euchre. Well, it, well it, no, exactly. No, th- thanks for now. That, and that, by the way, it, with, with all due respect to my friends who do the, the, the TV commentary, that's the best way to watch a game, whether it's on Facebook Live or whatever. And that's actually the way I would have done it, except I wasn't the, – the, where I was watching the game and the computer I was watching the game, I, I didn't have an AM radio signal available to me. So um, – and, of course, we don't stream – we don't stream the games on on our our direct stream, so it's just um, I, I just I, I wasn't able to get it, which was a little bit frustrating. But I ended up, you know, I it, it's I guess I watched it. I I think it's sort of a nice thing. I guess if you were not in a position where you could watch it on TV, at the same time, I, I hope it doesn't become something where Major League Baseball decides to do it for teams on a regular basis because I, I think driving people to Facebook would drive a lot of fans away. And like I say, you can listen to it on WTMJ and you're not going to have to register. And by the way, we're not going to sell your information. 1224, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. When we come back, I've got a story about some entrepreneurial kids and the Grinch that stole Memorial Day. Stick around. 1226, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Okay, did the city handle this right? Here's the deal. Story comes Denver, Colorado. Last Monday was Memorial Day. So here's the deal. There's a there's a park in Denver where they're having Memorial Day events. Like a lot of parks around here have Memorial Day events. There's a family that lives near the park, actually like across the street from one of the parks. So what they have three kids, ages, now get this, six, four, and two. And the kids go to their mom and they say, Mom, can we start a lemonade stand? And mom says, well, what are you going to do with the money? And the kids decide, they say, well, what we want to do is we want to raise some money. We want to donate to help this five-year-old boy in Indonesia as part of uh, this nonprofit called Compassion International that's based in Colorado Springs. And the mom says, that's great. So I tell you what, she makes the lemonade. They put the kids out on the sidewalk, kind of across the street from the park in front of their house. All right. So everything is going smoothly. Um, matter of fact, they're, they're there for about like an hour or so. Lots of people are stopping off and they're buying lemonade. But what they're really doing is they're giving the kids, you know, donations. In the hour that they were open, they made about uh, 200 bucks, most of which was just donations. People, you know, stop by. Here, I'll take the cup of lemonade. But here, they, they give the kids a tip for that. Okay. So everything is going swimmingly until about an hour. When the police show up and tell them, we've got to shut down your stand. Now, here's the way it works. Non-mobilized food vendors, so that means that you're not in a truck, need a temporary permit in order to sell food and non-alcoholic beverages at city-approved designated sites. Um, the city says vendors are food trucks with no permit so they're not at the site. They're across the street from the site. But the city says vendors or food trucks with no permits 
aren't allowed in or within 300 feet of a park or a parkway unless it's associated with a special event. To do that, you would need to have a permit. A permit would have cost the family $25 for an application and $100 for a one-day fee. All right, and there's no specific rules that prohibit or protect lemonade stands. What happened was, on the park grounds, there was a lemonade vendor that was selling lemonade for $7 a glass who got hacked off that the kids are selling lemonade for $0.75 a cup or two for a dollar and called to complain about the the kids. And so the, the police responded. They say, we're not the bad guy. You know, we were just responding to this particular complaint. Right, our number, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. This is an issue, Now, I understand this happened in Denver earlier this week, but this is an issue that crops up a lot, especially as the summer season goes on. Here you have a couple kids trying to raise money for charity who set up the lemonade stand on the sidewalk in front of their house across the street from the park. They don't have the permit. They haven't dropped the permit, but they're, they're, they're selling this. And one of the vendors who presumably did pay the permit, but is charging $7 a cup for lemonade complains. How do you think the police should have responded to this? Were they right to close down the stand? Or is this one where maybe kind of no harm, no foul, good job, kids? 414-799-1620. I will tell you where I come down on this, and we will discuss in just a couple moments. 1235, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Eric that you don't think anybody knows who that, why, why that ad is running. I think people are wondering for sure. Right, because yeah. you don't, you, you don't, you've never, she's not, it's like it's not a Milwaukee Alder yeah, woman. Yeah, yeah, not a household okay, name. Okay, who, who she is. There is a special election, we've talked about this quite a bit, to fill a vacant assembly seat in kind of the western part of Dodge County and Columbia, Columbia, Columbia County and, and all that. That's, it's coming up. In, in the near future. This was where there was all the controversy about an assembly person and a state senator resigned, and then there was the argument about whether or not uh, Scott Walker was going to have to call a special election. This this woman that's being mentioned in the ad, she is the Democrat who is running for that assembly seat in sort of central Wisconsin. That, that's, that's who she is. Um, all right, we're talking about the story about this lemonade stand. If you're just tuning in real quick, uh, on Memorial Day, these three kids, ages six, four, and two, set up a lemonade stand across the street from this park where all this activity is going on um, for Memorial Day. Um, the vendors who are selling lemonade for $7 a cup call the cops and complain and say they don't have a permit. There's a rule that says that if you're going to have a lemonade, a food stand, essentially within 300 feet of the park, you need a permit. The police come out, they, they shut it down based on the complaints of these other vendors. Should they have done that? And again, there, there's not a particular law that says you can or can't have lemonade stands like this that are essentially designed to raise money for charity. Uh, did the police do the right thing? Let's start with Pam in Milwaukee. Hi, Pam. Pam. Pam, Pam, Pam. Pam? Okay, let's try Jeff in Waukesha. Jeff, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hey, how are you doing today? Real well, um, thank you. Yeah, I, you know, I, the cops are kind of a tough situation here. If they don't follow through, uh, you know, and the guy selling the $7 lemonade makes us think about it, all of a sudden they're going to get jammed up with their superiors. So, you know, I, I think they had to do what they had to do. But you know, had I been one of those cops, I might have just said to the kids, you know, 
if you give the lemon away, lemonade away, you're not breaking any laws. And a lot of people are enjoying their lemonade. If you ask them for a donation, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> wink, wink, you know, you can, right. you can do this. Right. Well, and see, and that's what they were. I mean, they really weren't doing this to make money for themselves. They were they were doing this to raise money for, uh, again, some five year old kid in Indonesia. Um, right. So you would have. You would have tried. You would have, if you were the police officer. You would have tried to find a kind of a creative way to work with the kids to get around this. Yeah, I think that's what I would have done. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for the call. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Karen in New Berlin. Karen, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi. My thought is the police do have to carry out the the laws that are there, but maybe they could have gotten around it a little bit by looking at the fact that the vendor that paid for his stand and was making money was making money for himself. And maybe they could have uh, pointed out that these children nowadays, when we're always complaining about children not doing the right thing, right. that they were uh, doing it for a good cause and that the police would have maybe even a signature that the money was going to be turned over to whatever, whatever, and that they weren't doing it for their own glory and benefit. Right. Yeah, I think they're – no, thanks. See, I, I, I appreciate that the, the police aren't really the bad guys here. Um Candidly, the, the, in my opinion, the, the vendors are, and, and I understand, I, look, I'm all about free enterprise, and I understand the vendors <clears throat> who are in the park, either say, oh, look, we're, you know, we're selling lemonade for $7 a cup, and we paid the $100 permit fee, and you know, we're, we're losing money to these kids who are across the street. Well, I, my guess is a child's lemonade stand really isn't competition for the type of lemonade trucks that you see, and, and how petty could you really be? Now, I understand that there is this ordinance that is on the books that says what they're supposed to do, and and I get it. it it's interesting because they, they talk to the permitting people in Denver, and they say, well, you know, we, we really don't enforce this kind of stuff. If there's a problem, like if the if the stand were causing, if it was a nuisance, if we were getting traffic complaints or something like that, you know, maybe we would get into this. We don't want to get into the middle of it, but it's the vendors that force them. If I were the police on duty that day, I think, first of all, I, I make a determination, is this causing a problem? Is it a nuisance? Is there, and, and the answer to that would be no. Um, at that point in time, I might kind of say, well, you know, we've got a lot of different priorities that are out here, including, you know, we're concerned about people shooting themselves and stuff like that. And let's let's decide, as we try to prioritize things, what are we going to do? Worry about crowd control or crime or worry about the six and the four and the two-year-old kid who are out there selling lemonade to help some five-year-old in Indonesia. I, I think if I were prioritizing things, it would be, well, okay, we're going to get around to investigating this, but, you know, it, it's probably going to take us a while, like maybe until the activities in the park for Memorial Day are over. Alternatively, I think you go out there and you say, well, technically, I guess I think you guys need a permit. Tell you what, um, we're going to let you stay in business today, and then you can decide how you want to proceed. Now, again, the police aren't the bad guys. It, it's the vendors, and I understand some of you might think, well, the vendors are just there they're to protect their business. Come on, they're kids selling lemonade, for goodness sakes. Um, they shouldn't really be your competitors. I think this is one where... There were creative ways that people could have handled this particular thing other than shutting down the lemonade stand. Pat in New Berlin. Pat, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Pat. I have, to dis- I have to disagree with you entirely on this. You know, there are ordinances there for a reason, and these men are, or people who have these stands are doing this to make a living. They're yep. supporting their families, 
They have overhead. They have bills to take care of. And what is right is right. Uh, if everybody down the block and around the corner be selling hot dogs and everything else, what's the point of this? But it's not everybody. It, it, we're talking about one lemonade yeah, stand across the world. We're talking what if. So I'm saying, if you got one, no. That's the reason that they have the ordinance. That's what well, the, well, the, well, the rules – okay, so if the kids – so if the kids had spent the 100 bucks to have the permit, um, do you think that they would really then be a competitor for the regular lemonade stand? I think they would be a competitor, but if they had their permit, they have the right to do it. Yeah, I, well, and then when they sell 200 glasses of lemonade, they've made up their overhead for the permit for uh, uh, the uh, yeah, welfare but, of the child in India. But, but they're really not a business. They're They're doing this for charity. These are kids doing the thing for charity as opposed to the business that's doing it again for the, the sake of the business. It you don't can't they can't they look the other way on one time? I mean, do you really think it was hurting the lemonade vendors? No, I don't think they have to look the other way one time. Well, the point I, I, is No, I think I get it. The point is rules are rules. I understand. I I I get it. You've got the people that are selling it for $7 a glass and they're in the park where the people are and they look across the way, and they get upset because you've got the kitty lemonade stand that's there. And most of the money that the kids are generating, it's really not from the sale of lemonade. Like I say, that it's mostly because they're selling lemonade for you know, seventy-five cents a glass or something. What there, there really is, it's donations that people are making. And and I get it. You're right. It's rules are rules. I I understand. They did not have the permit. The businesses complained. They ended up shutting down the kids. Um, I don't know what lessons come out of this. I, I really, what good came out of this? That's what I think that the, the tough issue is. And I would have, like I said, I would have let this one go. To me, this was a no harm, no foul thing. Now, if every time there is an event where you have street trucks and things like that that have to pay for the permits, if if it turns out that everybody on the block then goes out and they're show, selling soda, they're selling hot dogs or whatever, and they're really pulling business away from the businesses, okay, well, maybe at that point in time you can say it's getting out of control. But that's not what was going on Monday. You had three little kids that were running a lemonade stand. Um, so beware of this. This story happens a lot, um, especially, like I say, it happens a lot, and especially now that it's getting warmer. We had a story up in Appleton not that long ago, very similar to this. So beware if you're going to send your little entrepreneurs out to sell lemonade. There might be some vendor in the area that gets upset. It's 1244. When we come back, let's handicap the race for governor. The 10 Democrats who want to be governor, now they filed their papers. Stick around. It's 1244. This is Jeff Wagner. It's 1248. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Uh, the world's largest music festival is right around the corner, and we want to send you there all this week during my show. I'm going to be giving away four packs of tickets to the big gig, and today we're going to be giving away two four packs of tickets, one during the 1 o'clock hour, one during the 2 o'clock hour. So be listening. Even if you don't win, don't forget to come see us at the Gruber Law Office's Sports Zone. I will be broadcasting live throughout the entire run of the festival. WTMJ will be broadcasting live through the entire run of the festival. Looking forward to that. And again, we'll have ticket giveaways during the 1 o'clock hour and the 2 o'clock hour. All right, so the State Democratic Convention is in Oshkosh this weekend. There are a large number of people vying for the right to challenge Governor Walker in November. Um, at one point in time, I think there were like 15, 16, 17 people who were talking about running. 
Well, it's one thing to talk about running. It's another thing to get down to the nitty-gritty. So at the state convention, what they said is the rule is you're going to have to show us that you have 2,000 – to get to get yourself on the ballot for the primary election in August, you need to have 2,000 signatures. So what the party official said is if you want to speak at the convention, you've got to show us that you've got the 2,000 signatures. That's kind of their way of weeding out who is – serious and who wasn't serious and you know 2,000 signatures isn't really that that big a deal but it it did it winnowed out a number of people who weren't able to do it so there's going to be 10 people who have apparently met this threshold okay here's here's who they are state school superintendent tony evers who's a liberal who's run winning statewide uh, elections um, now, he's run as the state school superintendent, which is a nonpartisan position, but he's a liberal Democrat. Um, Matt Flynn, who's a retired attorney from Quarles and Brady, Flynn has run unsuccessfully for a whole bunch of offices. Yeah, I think he's lost like four times. Um, he's also very, very controversial on the left because he was the attorney who represented the Archdiocese of Milwaukee in connection with all the pedophile priest scandals. And if he would, by if somehow, if by some chance, he would happen to get the nomination, I think this would be an, an issue. Um, there's a number of very, uh, members of, for example, the, the, the gay community who have never forgiven and will never forgive Matt Flynn for the way he, they think he handled the defense of the archdiocese. Um, and um, there, there's allegations that he, you know, made it very, very difficult on people who were abused by priests who wanted to view claims and that he, you know, helped cover things up. Those are some of the allegations that that's a big issue. And he's getting a lot of heat from that part of the left. But he's he's one of the candidates. He's all talking. He talks about as being a, a smear campaign against him. Well, it's it's kind of. Again, and I, I'm not suggesting that he did anything improper or unethical, but he was very, very aggressive in defending the archdiocese, and um, that left marks, and it's marks that are coming back to haunt him right at the moment. Um, you've got Milwaukee businessman Andy Gronick, who's crazy. I don't know if he's literally crazy, but he, he's he's out there, he, and he's he's got some issues, and I don't think he's going to be one of the top vote-getters. Liberal activist Mike McCabe, who's one of the do-gooders, he was at one of these sort of liberal good government outfits. Um, uh, Firefighters Union President Malin Mitchell, eh, Kenosha attorney Josh Pate, never heard of him before. Former state representative Kelda Roys of Madison, she's um, kind of a liberal icon. Uh, the hippy-dippy liberal mayor of Madison, Paul Soglin, State Senator Kathleen Vineholt of Alma, and State Representative Dana Walks of Eau Claire. So it's not necessarily a, a who's who of Democrat star power. My guess is most people, unless you're really tied into politics, you haven't heard of any of them. Tony Evers is, I guess, simply because he's run statewide and won before. He, he's viewed as one of the leaders in the clubhouse. The two female candidates, this is supposedly the year of the liberal woman, and so I think they're trying to bank on that. You, you look through this list, though, and again, it's first of all, it's very, very difficult to try to handicap this race because when you have 10 people that are running in a primary, Nobody is going to have a ton of money, so it's not like any one person is going to be dominating the airwaves. 
Um, it, it's one of these things where conceivably somebody could win the nomination with 20% of the vote, one, one out of five. Um, so if people, for example, you sit there and think, God, there's no way Paul Soglin could be the Democratic candidate for governor. But at the same time, you know, he's the mayor of Madison. He's got at least some name recognition out there. Could that help him get 20% of the vote? You just, it's very, very difficult to figure out where this is going to go and who might ultimately emerge from this. Bottom line is, if you look at this, they're all running on some of the same themes. Um, Foxconn is bad. We're going to cancel Foxconn. Some of them have come out and said that. You know, all right, we're going to turn our nose on 13,000 jobs and try to unravel it. We want to repeal Act 10. We want to raise taxes. All these different things which appeal to, I guess, the hard left and the people with Walker derangement syndrome. But that's that's not going to get you uh, elected. And all you're hearing is the same sort of, you know, we hate Scott Walker. Look what he's done. Well, the truth is, I mean, in the state of Wisconsin right now, things are pretty darn good. You've got unemployment that has pretty much disappeared. As a practical matter, almost anybody who wants a job nowadays can get a job, and those jobs that they can get are getting better and better and better. So you've got that. Most people recognize now that Act 10 wasn't the devastating thing to the state's economy or the public sector that some people predicted it would. And I understand there's some public employees who – still aren't happy about it. I appreciate that, but that's not, I think, the general consensus. If you look at most of the polls, they tell you NAC 10 has some widespread support, especially since the you know end of the world didn't come like it was predicted. And, you know, running on a platform of raising taxes, well, I think that's a hard sell across the state. Bottom line is, somebody is going to emerge from this 10, but nobody that's on the list strikes me as somebody that you go, oh, but the Walker administration's really shaking its boots about running against which one of the ten emerges. I'm not ready to make that call. Twelve fifty five, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's one oh nine. This is Jeff Wagner. As somebody who wants to see President Trump succeed. Stories like this just make my head want to explode because again, I right before the break I was talking about the tariffs and this is a bad idea. It, it, it just is. If the idea is we're getting ripped off by China with dumping cheap imports, all right, then tell me what good it does to impose a tariff, a 25% tariff on, a loom, on, on steel. And we don't have the capacity to make all the steel we need. But you're not imposing this on China today. Today they're imposing it on Canada and on Mexico and on the European Union, our trade partners. And, of course, their response is fine. We're going to impose retaliatory tariffs on a number of American products, and it's going to hurt Wisconsin because we're going to go after the agriculture industry. We're going to go after Harley-Davidson motorcycles. And for what? Because the truth is the the American steel industry is in a position right now we don't have the capacity or the people to make the types of steel and all the steel and aluminum that we need. Very, very frustrating. Here's another example, I think, of a a self-inflicted wound which makes me wonder what the president is thinking. Now, let me back into this. Um, A a chief executive, whether it's a governor or a president, one of the greatest powers they have is the power to issue pardons. They they can commute sentences. They can pardon people who've been convicted of crimes. If I were a president or I were a governor, I would use that pardon power extremely extremely um, conservatively. That is, um, I I would, I'm not sure I would use it at all um, because 
what you do by issuing a pardon is you defeat the criminal justice system. You know, the criminal justice system's worked. Somebody's been convicted. They've gone through their appeals. They've lost. And then to have, whether it's a governor or president, come in and say, I don't care what's going on with the criminal justice system. I'm going to turn you loose. I think that is offensive to the rule of law. And I've said that for the longest time. You know, Bill Clinton, on his way out of the White House, pardons one of his buddies and a fundraiser who hadn't even who was on the lam, a fugitive financier. Uh, Barack Obama issuing a number of pardons or commutations because he didn't like particular sentences as his term was winding down. I just I, I don't think it should be used. I, I think it's only in rare situations. And to me, the real appropriate thing of a pardon would be somebody who, let's say you committed a crime when you were young. You know, you're 18 years old or you're 19 years old and you've done something really stupid and you, you've gotten past that. And now you're 50 years old or you're 55 and a number, and, and you still got that criminal conviction on your record, but it, it doesn't reflect the type of person you are 30 years later and it still comes up to frustrate you because you can't legally own a firearm or whatever. That, that might be the type of situation. Here, a guy got convicted of some drug offense, some small drug offense, you know, 35 years ago, and he's lived a great life. Those might be the type of things that I would consider using a pardon on, but I would use it scarcely. Well, today, President Trump announced that he was issuing a pardon for Dinesh D'Souza, who you might have heard from. He's a, a conservative, now the way they describe him, as a conservative provocateur, um, who he's made movies. He was convicted of campaign finance violations where he, he was effectively, bun, he was acting as a straw man. What he got convicted of doing is there's campaign finance limits. There's limits. You can only contribute X amount of dollars. And what he got convicted of is he wanted to support, I believe, a Senate candidate. So what he would say to people would be, I tell you what, you donate you you grew donate five thousand dollars under your name to Jeff's campaign for Senate. I I will give I will pay you that money. I mean, so it's ultimately going to be me making the donation. I'm going to give you the money, but you put it in your name. You know, you act as the straw man, and that that's against the law. I mean, and he got convicted of that. President Trump came out today and announced that he was issuing a full pardon to uh, Dinesh D'Souza, saying he was unfairly treated by our government. He's also saying that he is considering issuing a pardon to Martha Stewart, who was convicted in 2004 on charges related to insider stock trading. Stewart sold stock based on a non-public tip she received um, and avoided a loss. So she got this non-public tip. So she was doing some insider trading. Um, she was found guilty at trial of several felony charges, including lying to federal investigators. She was sentenced to five months in prison. She was released in 2005. Why you would pardon Martha Stewart is beyond me. And then, on top of it all, he's now announcing that he's apparently, and he hasn't pardoned Martha Stewart. He said he's considering it. He's also apparently saying that he's considering issuing a pardon for um, Rod Blagojevich. He was the crook governor of, of Illinois who actually appeared on The Celebrity Apprentice in 2010. He was impeached. He was removed from office on corruption charges. He was, uh, it, it's some amazing tapes. When Barack Obama left the Senate to take over the pre- after he won the presidency, 
Blagojevich um, got convicted of solicitation of bribes um, with regard to, you know, he had the ability to appoint who was going to be the replacement for Barack Obama. And essentially, he 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 put it on the market. You know, I mean, they've got Blagojevich on, on tape saying, I've got this thing and it's blanking gold, although he didn't say blanking, and I'm not giving it up for blanking nothing. You know, he's, he was talking about selling the Senate seat. You know, you, you want the Senate seat? Who's going to give me the most money? Well, he got convicted. He's doing 14 years, and President Trump is talking about issuing a pardon to this character. I mean, really? I, I understand that Stewart's a Republican, Martha Stewart's a Republican, Blagojevich is a Democrat, D'Souza's a Republican, so maybe you feel this need to be bipartisan when it comes out to pardons. My advice would be, I don't know, just go back to what Nancy Reagan said about drugs in the early 80s and just say no. This is, it's going to create firestorms, it's going to create controversies, and I don't think there's too many of us that think that Blagojevich or Martha Stewart or D'Souza, D'Souza were really treated that unfairly just saying but he's apparently considering doing these various things all right when we come back i want to talk about a local controversy there's this task force that has been meeting uh trying to decide what we do with the mitchell park domes they've got some at least alternatives and different options that are there we're going to discuss those, and we're going to talk about what really should happen. Stick around. It's 116. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's 120. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Okay, we have our winner of the first four-pack of tickets to Summerfest that we are giving away uh, today. We'll have another four-pack to give away in the next hour of the program. A community conversation on the controversial tasing of Milwaukee Bucks shooting guard Sterling Brown. That's occurring. John McCure gets local and national reaction during a nearly commercial-free hour. That begins at 3 o'clock this afternoon. Now, I have a number of people who actually um, are, are speculating on what's going on with regard to the, the, the Trump pardons. And one of the points that they are making, and again, I, I can say, if I, were, if, I were, if I were president or I were governor, I would be using... I would use the pardon power extremely, uh, extremely carefully because, again, it, it undermines it undermines the legal system. And unless you were really convinced that somebody had been convicted of something falsely and none of the courts had given that person relief or it was a very, very old conviction. Again, to me, that's where you use the pardon power. You know, you do some somebody does something stupid when they're 18 and now they're 55 years old and they've lived a good life and they want to own guns or they want to clear their record. That That's where I would use it. Um, but here we have a thought. Somebody texts, I think Trump is signaling to everyone that he is willing to issue pardons. So um, those, now the texter says, so those who can testify against him will be assured of his support. Um, I, I think you could also say, you know, is he saying he's willing to issue pardons so people who don't testify against him but get convicted will be assured of his support? I don't know if that's the case or not, but you know that's going to be the theory that gets propounded on uh, the various talking head shows. And once again, it's it's a distraction. Why, why for God's sake, talk about uh, pardoning Rob Blagojevich or Martha Stewart? Hmm. All right, let us completely switch gears and let us talk about a local issue. The, the Mitchell Park Domes have been there since uh, the early 1960s. Chances are you have perhaps been there. It is a Milwaukee institution. Chances also are that you probably haven't been there in a long time. Um, 
There are some regulars that go there. Um, there's kids that go there on field trips and stuff. You know, I, I've been there a handful of times. I, I like the domes, but it's not something that I go back to over and over and over again. The Mitchell Park domes lose lose money, um, and and that's that that's not necessarily unusual. There's a lot of things that you know in public lands that don't operate at a profit. Um, let's see the so they lose money, which means that the taxpayers of Milwaukee County have to put money in just to make them break even. Um, 2014, taxpayers had to put in over a million dollars. 2015, uh, they had to put in close to 400,000. So that's kind of what the, the law, they're not breaking even. They are not paying for themselves. Not enough people are going. Not enough people are using the facility to pay for it. But again, that, that's, it's some, that's somewhat to be expected. And again, if it's a public institution, well, the taxpayers and it's there for the good of the community, you don't necessarily have to break even. That's sometimes, you know, what tax dollars are supposed to do, which is help underwrite the cost of things that are good for the community. But the, the Mitchell Park domes lose money. And there, there's probably no doubt that they are going to continue to lose money. The other problem is that the domes, which were built in the 60s, are falling apart. You will remember a couple of years ago, there was the controversy that they had big chunks of concrete that were falling off the domes. And so they had to close them for a while, and they had to put in netting, which would catch the concrete. That was a temporary solution, but only a temporary solution. Because, again, lots of things that are built you know, in the 60s, well, and especially the type of construction they use then, all right, you, you, you hit a useful life. And beyond that useful life, well, it, you know, you, you got to just move on. You can't drive a car forever. At some point in time, the car, it's just going to rust. The parts are going to wear out. You can do your best. Um, but at some point in time, you're going to have to move on. In addition, the domes have had another problem, and that is that because the county has been strapped for money, there's been a lot of deferred maintenance. that They have not been maintained like they probably should have been. It's been one of those things where you keep pick, uh, kicking the can down the road. Well, the problem with kicking the can down the road is that the cost of deferred maintenance, you know, goes up and up and up. Um, as, you, as you delay things, things tend to get worse. Um, the county executive, you know, he's come out and he said, you know, to really – the county consultants say that to really fix up the domes, to repair the domes like they need to be repaired, the county would have to come up with somewhere in the neighborhood of 60 to 70 to $75 million. Some people say it might be a little bit more than that. Other people might say it might be a little bit less. But it's still a, a big chunk of change for Milwaukee County, which doesn't have any money. So there's been this consulting firm, there's this county task force, which is trying to figure out where do we go with the Mitchell Park Park Domes. And, you know, they, they've come out with essentially eight options. Um, one is do nothing. And the way the story is, is if you do nothing, you could probably maybe get another five years out of it. But after that, boom, it, it's pretty much over. Second is that you could demolish the domes. Um, you could keep the greenhouses, but you demolish the domes. 
don't spend the 60 to 70 million dollars and just say okay we're going to put that money into other things um you could address the deferred maintenance again some people say 20 to 30 million i think chris abley believes it's going to be a lot higher than that um and then there's some other more aggressive things that say well what we should do is we should double down we should go all in and we should turn it into like an adventure dome and we should set up zip lines and things like that we should try to make it a a huge destination let's put tens of millions of dollars more in there and turn this into something really really special right 414-799-1620 that is the acunate mortgage talk and text line Look, I've lived in this community most of my life. Like I say, I've been to the domes. I appreciate that I appreciate that the domes are really a cool place. At the same time, things reach a useful they have a useful lifespan and people's taste change, people's interest changes, and candidly, there is no way in the world that I could see taking 35 million dollars that we don't have and putting it into trying to maintain the domes. There's certainly no way I could see taking $65 billion and trying to do the repairs that you need. Putting zip lines in? I mean, really? Is that really the solution? I mean, candidly, again, if you're speaking with your head, not your heart, I think the only reasonable solution is to say, we got to tear these things down. Let them run for another few years, and then let's move on. And I know that's going to be controversial. What do you think? 414-799-1620. We discuss in just a moment. It's 127. This is Jeff Wagner. 135. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Okay, the Mitchell Park Domes have been an institution around here since they were built in the early 1960s. They are falling apart. Um, they don't pay for themselves. Uh, that is to say that you know the cost to maintain them on a yearly basis is not met by the, the proceeds they bring in. Um, they, they've lost, generally speaking, several hundred thousand dollars, sometimes up to a million dollars. Um, attendance, uh, around 200, 250,000 people go. Again, it varies from year to year, but they're falling apart. And what they need to, to really fix them like they need to be fixed, you're probably talking about 60 to 70 million dollars. There's things that you could do that could extend their life that would cost less, maybe 25 or 30 million dollars. Um, some people are saying we, we should we should fix them. We should turn them into like eco domes, make them like put up zip lines, you know, try to make them a real destination. Problem, of course, is Milwaukee County you know, doesn't have that much money, doesn't have any money. Milwaukee County is and I'm talking about it figuratively broke. Look what's going on with the pension you know, scandal. Look at how that still affects you know, the county. So what do you do with the domes? 414-799-1620. Let's start with um, Freddie in Milwaukee. Freddie, hello. Oh, yeah. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Yeah, listen. You know, golden opportunities were really missed here because it's like we're already paying for, the, for, for Miller Park, and we're paying for the new arena, and we're paying for a portion of Foxconn. Mm-hmm. Now, I think at that time, somebody should have said, hey, hold it a minute here. Let's preserve something that is actually a landmark in the city of Milwaukee. Because even if you look at Travelog website, they show the dome mm-hmm. because it is, it is a fantastic architectural, I mean, I mean it's great. Mm-hmm. It really is. 
Okay, but tell me, though, all right, now, what do we do now? It's 2018. The domes are falling apart. They need a substantial investment of, of money, which is going to be money that's not going to be available for other things, to support other park services or to help, to help support the zoo or whatever. Is it worth putting that money in? Yes, it is. Okay. I believe it is. Okay, where do we... Where do we? Where does the money? Where would you say the money should come from? A, a well, new tax a, or what? Let's take a portion out of it from the money that we gave for the new arena. Well, okay, but that ship has sailed. You know that 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 ship has sailed. So, I mean, okay, would you support well, a countywide tax? Well, then let's put it this way: that for any of these other next great big things that they want to mm-hmm. supposedly invest in for the good of the city, let's. Let's see. The first thing we got to do is, no matter what you want to do, we're going to take a portion of it, and it's going to go to the dome. Okay. All right. Thank. Thanks. I mean, again, I. I okay. Because because here's the question you have to answer. If you say, Jeff, these are an institution, and you know people love them, and they've been there for years, even though I, I think for most of us, I mean, I don't remember. I used to go there, you know, once a year or so with my mom when my because she used to love it in the winter, and I and I'm, I mean, I'm not anti domes. I'm, I'm not. I think it's great. But at the same time, if you're saying to me, do Milwaukee County taxpayers, where is the money going to come from, given the fact that you have all these other needs? I mean, you've already got – we're talking about having to replace the, the, the safety building. You know, they're talking about saying, you know, we, we've got it's, – it's beyond its useful life. You know, we've got all these issues. The building is falling apart. There's these security things. We need tens of, what was the number? I want to say 75 million. I could be off. But we have to, you know, we, we need to replace the safety building. All right. They don't have money for that. You've got the museum, the public museum. I just raised this question. If you're, where does the domes, where do the domes fit in on the priorities of of where the money is going to come from, especially since it's not like they're rolling in dough in Milwaukee County? 414-799-1620. Brad in Milwaukee. Hi, Brad. You're on WTMJ. Hi. Um, I, I guess I got a, maybe a different take on sure. this whole situation. Um, what I would think is maybe just leave them as they are, but maybe eventually consider maybe uh, building maybe a dome in the Milwaukee County Zoo uh, land. Uh, I'm sure they've got enough room to maybe do one or two maybe. And that mm-hmm. way, they've got more than one attraction in the same location. I think what might be the problem for some people is they don't want to have to make the commitment to make the drive to the domes just to, you know, walk around for maybe an hour or two, and that's all they can do. You know, mm-hmm. maybe they can do the zoo, and then they can go through the dome, and then any other activity that they might have there in the same chunk of land. You know, right? So I mean, so you still have something like the domes but you relocate it in the zoo use that as an attraction to maybe draw more people to the zoo but don't mm-hmm. spend 65 or 70 million dollars trying to preserve the stuff that was built in the 60s yeah yeah uh, and and i don't know if they would even consider it but maybe you know because county land doesn't really make any money but what if they were maybe to sell the chunk of land that the domes are on right now they can maybe even use some of that money to help build or refinance yeah. any other projects that are going around in the area as well well i mean th- thanks i mean see i thanks see this is you, you raise an interesting point that that again to me it demonstrates how badly mismanaged milwaukee county has been for example there was an option an opportunity remember to, to sell o'donnell park 
the kind of dilapidated parking structure down at the lakefront, they had an opportunity to sell that to Northwestern Mutual. And, oh, we can't get rid of any of these park type of spaces. Northwestern Mutual would have continued to use that as an ongoing parking structure. They would have made the repairs, and the county would have netted millions of dollars that they could have used to help underwrite other things in connection with the cost, with the park. But we can't do that. We didn't do that. We let that ship sail, and we missed that opportunity. And so, look, I mean, I understand you know, th- these issues, and I understand the affinity that people have with the domes. All right? I'm not anti-dome, but at the same time, when, when you're talking about realist, uh, let, let's face it, the idea of putting in $100 million and trying to turn them into some giant echo dome with zip lines is dumb. It's just, it's dumb. It's it's not going to substantially increase attendance. It's not going to be worth the money. At least I think it's kind of dumb. What you're really talking about is you're having to talk about, I think, priorities and where do the domes fit in in the overall scheme of things? Ha- have they outlived their usefulness? As a non, here's a text, as a non-Milwaukee County resident, as a non-Milwaukee County resident, I say put the $100 million in the domes. Then have the mayor extend his trolley to go there for another $100 million. Then maybe 50 more people a year will go to the domes. Well, that's kind of um, the issue. Here's somebody else that says sell them to a private investor. Well, private investor is, I doubt, going to keep the domes. Private investor is going to take that land and they're going to turn it into, I don't know, condominiums or whatever. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Jason in Mequon. Hi, Jason. Hey, afternoon, Jeff. I kind of have to disagree with sure. you on this one. We just dumped $400 plus million on a streetcar that no one's going to ride that we're going to have to subsidize for a couple million dollars a year. That's peanuts compared to what... Uh, I mean, that's nothing compared to what the domes are compared to. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Well, okay. Well, for, let's let's first of all before so I don't I don't want the mayor's office getting even more mad at me than they typically get. Um, okay. the, the first part of the streetcar was like 120 million, okay, including moving the utilities, not 400 million. But I, and you know if if you're going to throw the streetcar in my face, I, I got no defense because I'm one of these guys who've been saying it's one of the most ridiculous <laughs> uses of money ever. But I, I guess. I guess the question becomes, so let me ask you, Jason, where, yes, it, you, be, you can always, and I will be with you, you can point to the streetcar, the trolley, as, as just a complete white elephant, a huge waste of money that people are going to think is just crazy a few years from now. But l- let's let's try to think about this. If the numbers are right, 50, 60, 70 million to really do what you need to do to the domes, where is that money going to come from? I mean, would would you you live in Mequon? Would you support a five county regional tax to keep the domes going? No. What I would suggest is since uh, Barrett and everybody else in Milwaukee likes tips, districts, put one of those in there. I mean, for that. I mean, there's a tip for everything else. I mean, well, yeah, public. yeah. I mean, but but I mean, thanks. But I mean, the problem, okay, the problem with a TIF district is, the, okay, the the argument is. The, the, for example, we'll create a, a TIF district to help underwrite the cost of the streetcar. The idea being that, okay, business is going to develop around that. I just, I mean, I don't think, I just don't see how anybody can make an argument, a realistic argument that, all right, if we put 60 to 75 million dollars into the domes, that means more people are going to come. I mean, the, look, and I hate to, to sound like somebody who, you know, it's just well, you're you're you know anti you know the the anti environment things like that. Don't you appreciate how wonderful the domes are? I get how cool the domes are. I I do, but there there is a useful life for everything, and the truth of the matter is 
their their attendance isn't growing substantially. I mean, it's you know, it, it the high point of it was twenty or five years ago or so when they had like three hundred fifty thousand people. And, and yeah, it, it goes up and down. It fluctuates a little bit. But if you put sixty five or seventy million dollars into it, it's not like suddenly your attendance is going to double from a quarter million to half a million. It's it's not going to pay for itself. It's never going to pay for itself. And if you put sixty five or seventy million dollars in, it's just that that. Maybe you get out of some maintenance costs, but you're never going to get that money back. To me, this is a, a priority. Um, it, it's one of these where you have to decide where is the priority. Do we take this money and put it in Mitchell Park, or do you say, all right, the zoo needs all this, the courthouse needs all this, the museum needs this stuff, and I understand the museum's in a little bit of a different situation, but where where do you draw the line? And candidly, I appreciate the nostalgia factor, I just don't see how you justify all this dough for the domes. Mark in Lacrosse. Mark, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hello, Jeff. How are you today? Very well, thank you, sir. What do you do with the domes? Uh, I have a different perspective. I grew up in Milwaukee. I currently live in Lacrosse, and I love the domes. I've been there many times. Um, I think we should take the plants and integrate them into some type of exhibit, either in varied places or in a specific place at the Milwaukee County Zoo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, use. I don't know. Yeah, use it. Use it there. Keep the keep the kind of concept. Do it on a smaller scale and wrap it into another attraction that we have around Absolutely. here. Absolutely, and make it another reason for people to want to visit an already ex, you know exceptional zoo that we have in Milwaukee. You know, I you know, Mark, what you're talking about makes sense to me. It, at least it makes the most sense to me. If if we were flush with dough. Okay, maybe you could, you know, make the argument to take twenty five or thirty million dollars and you try to extend the useful life. But we're not flush with dough. I mean I, I don't know where all the building pro- I don't know where the money's gonna come from to do what Milwaukee County absolutely has to do. You gotta replace the safety building. I mean it's it's a fire trap. You've got to replace that. You've got to maintain the zoo. You've got all these issues with park maintenance to begin with. It seems to me the domes are a luxury. I, I agree 100%. As much as I enjoyed them, I think it's time to move on and not invest money that we don't even have. Right. And, uh, you know, integrate it. People will be able to appreciate it in an environment and a setting, you know, with the animals near them, however right. the possible integration would go. I, I, that, Mark, I, I thanks for calling. See, I, I think that makes the most sense. I, I do. Um, whether it's at the zoo, and I think that's a great idea if there's space for it, or somewhere else try to maintain the concept but the idea of maintaining the domes in their present location i'm sorry it just makes no sense to me 148 jeff wagner wtmj when we come back it is the latest controversy involving this case people on the left behaving badly is what happened on tv last night different than the roseanne Barr tweets stick around 148 152, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Okay, let me set this up before the break, and then we'll take calls afterwards. Um, Everybody knows the Roseanne Barr story. It broke a couple days ago. Roseanne Barr, she has the reboot of her series, Roseanne. Um, It it was uh, always a controversial show because uh, liberals hated it because the Roseanne character, like Roseanne in real life, was pro-Donald Trump. There's a fascinating story today in the Washington Post written by one of the writers who was saying, you would not believe the hate we got from the critics and the left, you know, because 
you know, it was all, all these liberals in Hollywood. And it's actually a real interesting piece. All these liberals in Hollywood, you know, instead of, including a lot of my friends, instead of calling me up to congratulate me for having a top-rated show, they were ripping me. How dare you put on something that, you know, actually has a character that supports Trump? So, I mean, that shows you the intense bias that's there. Anyhow, Roseanne Barr is, at best, a loose cannon, and you can use other phrases as well. And so she's on Twitter the other night, middle of the night, and she's tweeting out various things, including a racist tweet with regard to Valerie Jarrett, who was the um, one of the advisors for the, the Obama administration. It kind of comes out of the clear blue, and ABC's response is, we're canceling the show. Boom, it, it's done, and and. I think, you know, they decided, all right, there's going to be a huge backlash from sponsors. We're going to have all this feedback. It's going to be negative. Boom, we're just going to cut ties. So they cancel the show. All right, fine. I, I said this two days ago. I say it today. I'm not going to defend Roseanne Barr. You, you, some things you cannot say in American society nowadays. I don't know what she was thinking. It's not a question of free speech because she had a right to say it, but then there's consequences that are from it. The flip side, though is that there really appears to me to be a huge double standard when it comes to TV personalities on the left, whether it's Joy Reid or Joy Behar, you know, making anti-Christian comments or, you know, making, you know, their own version of, you know, the anti-gay remarks. And the left tends to look the other way. ABC, uh, Disney, which owns both ABC and ESPN, has just recently rehired crazy Keith Olbermann. Now, for the last year or so you know chris olbermann um who's just you know who again like he's he's going to have now a more pronounced role on espn for the last i mean year or so he's been um anchoring an anti-trump online program called the resistance um i am looking at a number of his tweets um and almost every third word is the f word um calling the president a racist white supremacist neo-nazi um he can go blank himself. He can do this. He can do that. Um, it's just, it's way, 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 way over the top. And Disney has decided to enhance the employment of Keith Olbermann. Well, into this, now we have a story involving Samantha B. Now, Gru, do you know who Samantha B is? Okay. Samantha B is a very liberal comedian slash news commentator um, who works. For the third year in a row, she has this show that airs Wednesday nights on TBS. Uh, it, it, the, uh, TBS is owned by Time Warner. Um, it's called Full Frontal with Samantha B. So the show aired last night. Now, I think the show was taped Monday. I, I think it's pre-taped. So I think they had a chance to do something about this and didn't. I, I don't believe it's live. I think it's taped on Mondays. But anyhow, um, she's doing a monologue last night. And she puts up a photo that Ivanka Trump, you know, uh, Donald Trump's daughter, had put out. She tweeted out this photo on Sunday showing her with her, her child, you know, and she's like hugging her child. And um, the, the note said, I love my Sunday morning. All right. So that, that's, that's it. It's actually a very cute thing. So in her monologue, Samantha B. Puts a picture up there showing Ivanka cuddling her toddler son. And then she juxtaposes it with a U.S. immigration policy that allows border security officials to separate children from parents if they're caught coming into the United States illegally. Okay, so that's that's it. And this is what she says. 
You know, Ivanka, that's a beautiful photo of you and your child. But let me just say, one mother to another, do something about your dad's immigration policies, you feckless. And then she uses the four-letter word that I think anybody would agree. It is a four-letter word that starts with a C that is used, um, I guess, to describe women um, that I think everybody should be incredibly offended by. Women, men, she uses that word on television, apparently. You feckless, she uses the word. Um, He listens to you, put on something tight and low-cut and tell him to stop it. So she calls Ivanka Trump on TBS the C-word. Um, all right. Today, she has now put out an apology. She said, I would like to sincerely apologize to Ivanka Trump and to my viewers for using an expletive on my show to describe her last night. It was inappropriate and inexcusable. I crossed the line. I deeply regret it. Okay, Roseanne Barr got sacked for what she said. Is it time for TBS and Time Warner, which owns it? All right, is there a double standard if they don't take her out? Or is using that word when it comes to referring to Ivanka Trump, is that now appropriate for somebody on the left? Should they cancel that show? Samantha says she's sorry. 414-799-1620. We discuss in a couple minutes. It's 158. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 210, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. There, There are some words in the English language that people just do not use. Now, I understand there's some controversy involving the, the N-word, and, and some people would argue, well, it's impermissible for a white person to use that word, but if you're a black person directing it at another black person, it's okay. I, I don't buy that. But at least I understand that there is there is that issue that is out there. Um, when it comes to a four-letter word that starts with C, um, that is used to, I, I guess... You know, describe women. Um, I, I don't think there's anybody that argues that that word is an appropriate word. I, it's not like I, I've never heard a woman say, "Well, it's okay for a woman to say that about another woman." I, I think everybody understands that that is offensive in the extreme, and it crosses a line. So Roseanne Barr for making a an ill-informed, unfunny joke and a reference to um, Valerie Jarrett that I, I think is racist and extreme. She immediately loses her show. All right, so if you're just tuning in, there's a comedian, and I use that quotation marks, Samantha B, who has this show called Full Frontal with Samantha B. It airs Wednesday night on TBS at uh, uh, 9.30, I think, our time. She is a vulgar comedian. She works blue. It is a thing on – the show is you know biting political commentary from the left. It has won various awards. So last night – um, she goes on her show. Now, I think the show was actually taped two days ago. I'm not positive about it, but I think it's pre-taped. And in her monologue, she is talking about Ivanka Trump, the president's daughter. And she says, you know, Ivanka, that's a beautiful photo of you and your child. But let me just say this. One mother to another, do something about your dad's immigration policies, you feckless. And then she uses the C word. And apparently it goes out over the air. All right. Now, you want to talk about... You know, women hating and all. I, I will tell you this. If if any conservative commentator used that word, male or female, in reference to a liberal woman, you know, whether it's Laura Ingram, you know, you, I don't care. Anybody, any conservative commentator, male or female, using that word towards Chelsea Clinton or Hillary Clinton or anybody on the left, that would be the last 
time that they appeared on TV, they would lose their show. They would get the Roseanne Barr treatment. So um, after this story breaks, uh, the press secretary, Sarah uh, Huckabee Sanders, she offers some comments on that. And um, Samantha B comes out and issues an apology. I would like to sincerely apologize to Ivanka Trump and to my viewers for using an expletive on my show to describe her last night. It was inappropriate and inexcusable. I crossed the line. I deeply regret it. Okay, fine. Roseanne Barr apologized. She lost her show. Now the question is, what does TBS do? What And, and uh, Time Warner owns the show. Do you cancel this? Or if you don't, is this an example of the double standard? And I, I repeat, um, I, I understand that race is a little bit different than gender, but I guarantee you if any conservative commentator, male or female, had used that word on a television broadcast to describe a liberal politician, that would be the last time they appeared on TV. All right, so should TBS cancel um, this particular show? And if they don't, does it demonstrate the screaming double standard that exists? 414-799-1620. Let's start with Mike on the northwest side. Hi, Mike. Hey, good afternoon, Jeff. Hi, Mike. Uh, yeah, she should be canceled right away. Uh, if, if everything's equal, and uh, she should be off the air, like, in an instant. And uh, my other comment is uh, I want to thank uh, Donald Trump for being president to bring to light the blatant uh, media uh, bias that uh, has been kind of, like, uh, overshadowed uh, before his presidency, but now it's becoming more and more blatant and as you're talking now, it's becoming more and more evident. Right. Well, it, it, it is. I mean, it, I mean, thanks to call, Mike. It, it is the complete and total double standard that is out there. And I, I think, I mean, I, I understand that some people might try to make this argument that, well, Roseanne's comment was about race and Samantha Bee's comment was about gender. And so maybe there's, there's a difference. Um, but I see, I don't buy that because, again, like I say, if if. If let's even take the Roseanne Barr situation. If she had used the word that Samantha B and Roseanne Barr was talking about this stuff on Twitter, this was on a TV show for goodness sakes that that aired. If 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 Roseanne Barr and I, I don't I don't want to use her to be the poster child for conservatives because I think she's kind of got a screw loose. Okay, but I mean, if any conservative commentator had used that term, imagine the outrage again. And I'll imagine pick. You know, Laura Ingram or, you know, Megyn Kelly back when she was a conservative commentator. They had gone on TV and used that word to descri- describe Chelsea Clinton, again, the, the child of, you know, uh, uh, of Bill and Hillary. They would have used that. They would have, they would have, there would have been a sponsor revolt. They would have gotten the Roseanne Barr treatment so very quickly. How can you have this double standard? And how can TBS and Time Warner Cable that owns them not do something similar? This is the double standard that drives so many of us absolutely, totally bonkers. The idea that, all right, we're going to judge conservatives who cross the line one way, and then we're going to look the other way when it comes to the left. Tom and West Dallas text, Jeff, seeing as how Roseanne's firing set the standard, TB, TBS needs to put up their uh, sacrificial lamb. I don't even, um, I don't even know uh, about that. Okay, here it is. You also, uh, you can't compare racism to name calling. Uh, it's apples and oranges. No, no, it's not. No, it's not. And I understand that's how, how some on the left, that's a text I get, that's how some on the left are going to try to justify this. And they're going to try to pretend that it's different. It's, it's not. 
Not in this particular case. I think that crosses a line. And ask yourself seriously if a conservative commentator, male or female, had used that term to describe, well, say, Chelsea Clinton, would they be employed that next day? And I think the answer, if you look inside yourself, you know, honestly, is absolutely not. This is going to be a test of the double standard that's out there. We've seen it before. ESPN hires the, the vile and crazed, you know, Keith Oberman for like the fourth or fifth or the sixth time. You know, that's not going to turn out well. You know this. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Lamar in Orlando. Lamar, hello. Hey, uh, thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Jeff, uh, well, a couple of things uh, really quick. I'm pretty sure your weather is better than ours down here. It's been raining for like the last, like, <laughs> Yeah, I always so, ask you that when you call me during the winter. Yeah, got it, yeah. yeah. Um, but in any event, I don't, I don't see, in this particular instance, I think the context matters. And here's why. Well, a couple of reasons. So that I'm clear, I don't, I don't excuse any of the bad language on either side. In this case, uh, in the case of Roseanne, she has like racial, you know, racial things, and she was already on the ropes with, with ABC already. Um, you know, so I think that it, this was, it was kind of a last strong thing with her, uh, with Roseanne. Uh, in the case of uh, Samantha, Samantha B. B, I don't, I don't know that she has a history of this, this, this type of behavior. Um, and so I don't, I don't see the two being equal. If that makes any sense. Uh, well, I'll, uh, do you, because I guess is is it because of the history, or is it because using offensive words like this with regard to gender you see is different than using offensive words with regard to race? Because it was a, it was a woman saying it to another woman. It's kind of like a you know. Okay. Yeah, well, no, it goes back to the, the argument. I mean, there's some people who I, I'm not one of them, Orlando. I'm, I'm Lamar. I'm sorry. I'm not one of them. But, um, yeah, I mean, some people say it's okay for African Americans to use the N word at each other. I don't buy that, but I, I understand that some people feel it's appropriate. Or it's okay. Right. I, I'm another person. I'm, I'm an African American. Right. I, don't use the N-word. I think it's an expletive, and I don't, I don't use it. Uh, so I never use it. So I'm, I'm one of those that's in the same mindset. However, I see why folks excuse it. Just for the same reason, women in the B word. I always use that example. Women have somehow embraced some women in the B word as being positive, similarly to what you know African Americans have embraced the N word. Yeah, now, women that call each other the B word. Yeah, African Americans. You know, so I think that that's how they're looking at this in this particular instance. Well, I think it'll it'll be curious to see. Now, I I the the B word, the word that rhymes with which, I, I think that that is different than the the C word. I I don't know. I don't know any woman that refers to other women by that term. I, I just, I, I think that's about as vile a term a, as exists. I think it is the equivalent um, of the N-word. And, again, I just, I, I understand there's some people saying, oh, it, it's it's just different, it's just different, and, and, and there's all sorts of name-calling. Yeah, I, I get that there's name-calling that goes on, but are there no limits anymore i mean is there is there no limit anymore when it comes to the terms that people want to use and i guess if tbs does nothing to this woman or more importantly time warner who owns the show they're they're the ones that are then saying okay there there is now absolutely no standard and again i go back to what i was saying earlier i continue to believe if a conservative commentator used this word with regard to a woman they would not survive 
They would just flat out not survive. There would be an uproar. You'd have uh, sponsors that would be pulling their, uh, they'd be pulling their ads. There would be in pressure, pressure. There would be people, you know, picketing outside of stores. How can you support? How can you, you know, Jeff Wagner's Pizza advertise on this, this dreadful, awful show where this woman, you know, uses these derogatory terms? If TBS doesn't act, it demonstrates, I think, what's very clear and what many of us have argued for years and years, it, it demonstrates the bias is there. The other interesting follow-up story to this is, again, like I say, I think this was pre-taped. I don't think this was live TV. I think this was pre-taped. And if it was, that means people knew that she had said this and allowed it to go out on the air, which is mind-boggling in and of itself. It's 222. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 225, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. All right, uh, Summerfest. The big gig starts in less than a month. The world's largest musical festival right around the corner. I want to send you there. Um, all this week during my show, I will be giving away four packs of tickets to the big gig. Tell you what, I've got a four pack of tickets to give away. Let's give them to caller number 12. Caller 12 at 414-799-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Caller 12 wins a four-pack of tickets. These are general admission tickets to Summerfest. Also, um, we're going to be broadcasting live throughout the entire run of the festival. I'm going to be down there most weekdays. Um, I, I know I've got one day of vacation during there, but other than that, I think I'm going to be there most weekdays. Um, so even if you don't win, um, don't forget to come and stop by and say hi. We're at the Law, Gruber Law Office's Sports Zone. Um, I will just have to respectfully disagree. I've got a couple texts who are saying, Jeff, you're, you're wrong. If you had a conservative comedian slash commentator on a cable network that used that word, the C word, in reference to a liberal politician, everything would be fine. No, that's just not the reality. You, I, I'm just telling you, it's... There is, if they do not dump that show and discipline Samantha B, it is clear example of the double standards that exist, pure and simple. And um, for anybody out there who uh, wants to be a conservative and thinks they want to try it, my advice would be uh, no. All right. Here's the, you, you know that these things are going to sell out. Stormy Daniels, who has managed to milk a one-night stand with the guy who went on to become the president of the United States um, into way more than her 15 minutes of fame, Stormy Daniels, um, also known as Stephanie Clifford. That's Stephanie Clifford is the real name. She is going to be appearing next week in Wisconsin. She's going to be doing two shows at the Silk Exotic Madison Gentleman's Club on Highway 14, just west of Middleton on June 8th. And then the next day she is going to be performing <laughs> I, I, I guess we're using the, the term performing in a very broad sense. She is going to be performing um, at uh, a Silk Club in Milwaukee the following day. Let's see, two shows nightly at both locations, 10 p.m. and 1 a.m. There will be a cover charge. God's way of telling you that you have too much money is if you are standing in line, willing to pay a cover charge to see porn star Stormy Daniels. But my guess is these are going to be sold-out things, and people will be waiting for hours and hours. Uh, the best thing in the world that ever happened to this woman was 
running into or whatever she ended up doing with Donald Trump because it has generated an entire career for her, a career that she would not have had otherwise. But Stormy Daniels coming to Milwaukee next week. It's 228. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 235, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. I, I don't know what to make of the story involving the naming rights for the New Bucks Arena. It's, uh, I think they had hoped to have it done quite a while, uh, uh, quite a while earlier. There's still no announcement. Apparently there's no deal that's been struck. Um, the report that came out of the Sports Business Journal, picked up by the local business journal, very detailed, saying that Fiserv, which is uh, a large financial services firm, um, was essentially on the verge of closing a, a deal. Um, sources familiar, I'm looking at the story with the pending deal, who said that while final documents have not been signed, a 20-year agreement with an average price of $6 million per year is within weeks of being finalized. While service, sources did not reveal the precise name that will be used, they said that Fiserv Arena and Fiserv Center were both under consideration. That's pretty, that is pretty definitive. Um, Fiserv, again, a Brookfield-based, and it, 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 you can see it being a great mix. I mean, they're, they're a huge um, national-slash-international company, but Fiserv is denying the report that they are in advanced negotiations to become the sponsor. Um, it, it is interesting. The denial says, we are not the naming rights sponsor, says their company's vice president of corporate communication said in response to an inquiry, we are not the naming rights sponsor. When asked whether Fiserv would sign on as a secondary sponsor at the new arena, the spokesperson said, we are not a secondary sponsor. Now, I don't know exactly what that means because the, the answer is in the present tense. We are not the naming rights sponsor, which is is accurate. They're, they are not, as we sit here today, the naming rights sponsor. I guess the question would be, are you in final negotiations? Are you in advanced negotiations? Do you anticipate closing a deal to be the naming rights sponsor in the next, you know, couple weeks? That that, you know, that it could be that, you know, they're just not asking quite the right question. We are not the naming rights sponsor, which is correct, but that doesn't necessarily deny that they are in advanced negotiations. I, I don't. Don't know that it makes much difference one way or the other. It wouldn't make any sense to me, though, from a public relations standpoint, that if you were on the verge of cutting that deal to come out and issue denials, as opposed to say, well, you know, we think this might be a great opportunity and, you know, it's a possibility. But that's not the case. As it stands right now, um, still kind of a mystery. Um, but uh, Fiserv would be, I, I think it would be a great fit for the Bucks Arena, if that ends up being the case. Hey, one of the developments that, uh, something that broke yesterday afternoon, I did not have a show, but I did want to comment on it. Uh, the former Chief Justice of the State Supreme Court, now a justice on the Supreme Court, there are seven members of the Wisconsin Supreme Court, Shirley Abramson, who is 84 years old. She is up for re-election next spring. Um, she announced that she will not be seeking another term. She's been on the bench um, forever. <laughs> I think she was appointed in in seventy eight. I, I want to say, but she's been on the she's been on the bench um, for a very very long time. She is viewed as a a liberal icon. Um, she is a and I, I've known I've known Justice Abramson's for for a long time. She and I I think. 
first of all, she's whip smart. There's, there's no question about it. I think she's a brilliant, very, very liberal jurist. She's also got what I think would be fair to describe as a sort of uh, prickly personality. She, in many cases, may be the smartest person in the room. Part of the problem, though, is she she carries herself like she's the smartest person in the room, and that is extremely off-putting, I know, over the years, and wears on a number of, of her colleagues because, uh, again, she's very, very smart. There's no question about it. She's got a certain you know mindset and a certain approach to stuff, and, and I, I think it'd be fair to say that she can be somewhat difficult, and I, I know a number of people who've worked around her, and they always, um, while appreciating what a good jurist she is, admittedly very, very liberal, it's always been kind of that personality that's sort of been, again, wearing. The, the truth of the matter is, though, um, I think she's accomplished a lot. She deserves a lot of credit for what she's done. Um, I also, I, I think she deserves credit for recognizing when it's time to step down. Supreme Court justices serve 10-year terms. That's a long time. And, uh, you know, at 84 years old, I think maybe it's time to write your memoirs and, and move on. What is interesting moving forward is this is going to be an extremely contested seat. Um, this is a liberal seat. Conservatives lost the conservative seat in the election last April. And I, I want to say this respectfully because the, the the candidate that ran, the conservative candidate that ran, very nice guy, but it was his first statewide run, didn't really have a, a, an extensive sort of resume, and he ended up losing. I think in this particular race, you are going to see some prominent, extremely well-known, and some extremely well-financed conservatives that get into this race. They're already talking about um, a, a liberal appeals court justice named Lisa, Lisa Neubauer. She's apparently talking about exploring a run. She would be running from the left. This is going to be a very contentious race, and I think it's going to be a lot more high-profile than the the race that you saw again last April that ended up getting won by the liberal candidate. There's a number of names that are being you know tossed around as people who might potentially get in the race. I think it's a little bit too soon to discuss who exactly that is. But you know one of the names. Well, there's there's a lot of names that are being thrown around. I would expect that Waukesha Appeals Court Justice you know Mark Gundrum would be looking at this particular race. I think there's a couple other people that are looking at this as well. Um, appeals Court Judge Brian Hagedorn, who was the former chief legal counsel to Governor Walker, um, I think he's looking at potentially running. There might be a couple others, but this is going to be a race that's going to get a ton of attention um, to replace Shirley Abramson. And again, while I, I disagree with a lot of the rulings that Justice Abramson has come out with over the years, and I, I, I kind of disagree with, I think, a lot of her way she's approached different issues. you, you got to take your hat off to her. She has been a, a very, very good public servant, and I think she gets credit for, you know, decades of public service to the Supreme Court, even though I disagree with a lot of her rulings. It is 243. When we come back, an arrest is made um, in Cudahy, and some people are being critical of the cops. I'll tell you all about it. Stick around. 243, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 246, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, so glad to have you with us. If you are a regular listener to this program, you know that I, I rail from time to time on the the number of and aggressiveness of a lot of the panhandlers we have around this area. Um, if, if you get off the freeway 
like I do frequently, 43 South, you get off on Capitol Drive to come to our radio station, you will see on almost every intersection, you will see people on any day, weekday, you know, aggressively, you know, begging for money. There's a couple stoplights, and some of these guys and gals will walk down the middle of the road as cars are getting off the freeway. And to me, it's just a miracle that somebody hasn't been hit or killed yet. And I say yet because it's a recipe for disaster. On the south side, police have received a number of complaints involving somebody that they call the chemo man. Now, they call him the chemo man because um, there's been a number of reports. Callers describe this guy as aggressive panhandling. Apparently, the story is he drives a green Chevrolet truck SUV. What he'll do is he'll stop his car, like in, in traffic, and then get out, wave down cars, yell at people, trying to get them to stop. And then what happens is when they stop, he says that his car is running out of gas and that he needs to um, you know, get money to, get to, to go to a gas station. Sometimes, he says, his car is broken down and needs gas to get to the hospital to visit his wife, who is having chemotherapy, hence the, the chemo man. The guy, it's, he's a scam artist, okay? So that, that's, that's it. And, you know, he's stopping his car. My car's broken down. I need money. All right, so, um, and a number of people have been hit up by this guy multiple occasions. So on May 17th, the cops down at Cudahy get a call about a guy doing this, flagging down drivers in the 5900 block of South Barland Avenue. When the police arrive, 64-year-old man from Cudahy, he's outside his SUV with a gas can. He's doing the the same thing. This guy is the, the chemo man, apparently. So the police come out. Um, They make contact with him. They note that his SUV was running and that he's got gas in the tank. They also determine that he had money on him. So he's not broke. In other words, it's just a scam that he's telling to try to, you know, tug at people's heartstrings to get money. So what happens is that they end up giving him a citation for begging. And then he starts arguing with them. How dare you give me this, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But they've now cited him for this. Um, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We've just got a couple minutes before I have to turn it over to John McCure. But here's, here is my question. Um, here you have somebody that's out there. They're, they are, they are probably fibbing to people, but I think most of the people who panhandle, or this is my personal opinion, I think a lot of the people, if not most of the people that panhandle, I, I think they're probably fibbing as well to try to, you know, get people to give them money. In this particular case, the guy is stopping traffic. He's aggressively doing this. He's not telling the truth about his situation. Should the police have cited him, or should they have just let him go? 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Again, we've just got a couple minutes. But did Cudahy police go too far in giving this guy, who apparently has been plaguing the area for quite a while, did they go too far in giving him a citation? 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. While Gru is lining up the calls, I, I, I will give you my take on this. Um, here's the bottom line. And the bottom line is that this behavior that people like this chemo man, or whatever you want to call him, engage in, first of all, it's bad for the community, and secondly, it's dangerous. 
I mean, I guess it's one thing if you want to stand on a public sidewalk out of traffic and you want to solicit money, okay, that, that's, that's fine. I think it's kind of gives a bad impression for the community, but I can live with that. But this stuff involving, you know, ongoing traffic, stopping your car in traffic, trying to flag down passing motorists, trying to get them to stop, and then giving them some BS story about the situation, I've got no sympathy for you for that person at all. And I think the community would be better if the police were more aggressive in trying to track this type of stuff down. Because, mark my words, somebody doing this is going to get hurt. Or what I think is even likelier to happen is that somebody is going to slow down to give somebody some money at one of these freeway overpasses, and they're going to get smacked into from behind by some motorist who can't believe that somebody would stop when the light is green to give some panhandler dough. Kurt in Waukesha. Kurt, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. How are you doing? Thanks for taking my call. Thanks for calling, sir. Uh, I'm retired law enforcement, and from what I've heard on the radio, uh, I give more than panhandling. How about obstructing traffic, uh, mm-hmm. hazard? And uh, that, those are my thoughts. So you, you, throw, you throw the book at the guy? Yeah, I mean, he's, he gets somebody killed, period. Well, that's right. It, that, that's it. And, and the thing is, the guy's also... Uh, apparently, it's it's a fraud. It's not even. I don't think it would necessarily make any difference if he really were, you know, trying to raise money because he'd run out of gas to go see his wife in the hospital while she's getting chemotherapy. But it's a scam, you know. I mean, it's just a complete and total lie. It is fraudulent trying to get people to give him dough and putting people at risk. You can't tell uh, what their game is or whatever. So it's my my practice. I don't give anybody any money. I don't care what their story is. So. Um, yeah, I mean, he's no better than a uh, construction worker getting dinged on the freeway. Well, right, you know? right. No, thank, thank. Well, no, I mean, it, it's and it's. I mean, he's causing that problem. The construction workers in the freeway, they're they're you know they're doing their job, and somebody you know, but he, he's he puts people at risk by doing this type of thing. And and yeah, I think it is completely and totally appropriate to give people citations. I think this also does underscore a thing that we talk about from time to time. I think that you're not doing. Look, I, I don't think you're heartless if you don't give these panhandlers money because you don't know what their story is. And we've all seen some of these aggressive panhandlers who've got these great lines that they drop on you. And the truth is, if you want to donate money, well, okay, g- give money to the local church. The uh, the give money that you know that, that's providing you know places for the homeless to go, or give money to the food pantry, or do all those sorts of things where you know the money is going where it belongs. Not to some guy who's decided it's easier to generate money by coming up with this scam and trying to flag down cars than to work at a day job. Just saying. All right, it's 254. Sorry, I wish we could take some more calls on this. Our community conversation kicks off in just a couple minutes. When we come back, we're going to talk to John and Melissa. Stick around. 254, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ.